this year, the Texas State Armadillos are a little short on talent. Uh, show me the arms, huh? Throw the ball, genius. How about that? He stinks at two sports. But Coach Riggs thinks he knows where to find it. I never saw anybody fire that football the way you did. Maybe you should stay here with all your high school trophies. I wonder just how great you might have been. Now Paul Blake is back to finish the season he started 16 years ago. I hope he gets younger as he gets closer. Whoa, a 40-year-old freshman? Yeah, maybe he knew Elvis. We're taught to respect our elders. Well, I'm not that old. Trying to win with raw talent won't be easy. Again! Because this is as raw as it gets. Once more! Come on now! That's better! We'll be the laughing stock of college football. Blow the whistle! Blow the whistle! What do you think we are now? It has to be your team. Hey, come on, you don't want to mess with us. We're nobodies. I want someone to be their leader, not to leave them behind. This Armadillo team is on a roll after last week's non-loss. Nobody thinks a team of wannabes, led by a has-been, can make it through the season. Hold on, stop, Bumble. You guys got a hell of a lot of energy. Let's consider we lost by 40 points. Bumble Ruski. But the Armadillos are taking it one game at a time. <laughs> That's what happened to wrestling, man. Women take over the sport, man. What we need to do is get crazy. We need to get wild. We need to hell. Hey, little doggy, you about to get fixed. Necessary roughness. I've been waiting for you. You should be waiting for the guy to cut your hair. Well, drop me a beat. And we are back. I am Eric. He is Kevin. This is Prop Season 3. And we're kicking things off with Necessary Roughness. Like what I did there, Kevin? Season 3. And you said kickoff because it's football season. Because it's football season. I got it. Man, you and I have, we went back and forth on the list of the films for this. There's there's a ton of football films. We could have picked really any of them. Yeah, hockey was a little bit more challenging because right. it was in terms of like, what do you want to see? Right. And then football was, what are we going to have to cut? Exactly. Uh, so we went back and forth and we, we settled on a... a we settled on the six films that we want to do. But the good thing there is if we want to do season 3.5 or 3.5, right. it's, it's easy to oh, do sure. with these football films. And uh, we decided on our six. There are going to be some glaring omissions to some of you, but uh, that's okay. This is, this is mine and Kevin's list, and we don't, we, uh, we, we don't, we don't care. <laughs> don't say we don't care. We oh, care. Okay. We care. But we ignored your concerns. We ignored your concerns uh, like the Republican Party. Okay. Whoa! Uh, Whoa! Whoa! Sorry, Brett Kavanaugh. Um, Watch it, buddy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's 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 get let's just jump right into the film here. Uh, necessary roughness. What do you know, Kev? I love this movie. <laughs> I and 
People could naysay it all they like, and I'm not trying to hear any of that. I love this movie. It very much reminds me of how we kicked off season two. Sure. I'm an unabashed fan of the Mighty Ducks, and I will hear no slander of the movie. No slander at all. I am a huge fan of this movie, and I will hear no slander of it. Well, you know what? I'm not the biggest fan of it, fan of it, but it's simple and it's funny and it's mindless, so I can watch it. Is. It. You know, it's it is. It's not. It's not it's something I put on this weekend, and I didn't have to think too much about it. You know, right? So I was happy about that. Let's get into the taglines because uh, those are my favorite. Um, two two taglines for this film. Uh, they just might be the biggest bunch of losers that ever became winners. Ooh, I like it. You like it's that so one? So true. I like this one's a little longer. The gang of <laughs> this gang of loner, loners, loonies, and losers are about to become something they've never been before, a team. Oh, I think I like the first one better. I, I like the first one better. The second one's a little wordy. But, it is, yeah. You know, I, I think it fits the spirit of the movie. I think so, too. Uh, this opened, at, uh, this had an estimated budget of $13.5 million. Okay. We'd like to, uh, like to tell you that it doubled that up, $26.25 million. Hey, hey. So not bad, right? I, I can tell you for a fact, I might be skipping ahead just a little bit, I was responsible for most of that box office, <laughs> well, I'm you pretty really? sure. So some of these times, you know, we'll talk about where were you sure. when you saw it. And I have some difficulty remembering this one. I can tell you exactly the theater in which I saw it. And I can tell you for a fact that I saw this movie in the movie theater on back-to-back days, too. Wow. That's how much I love. Because this movie came out in, what was it, 91? 91. Okay. So this movie came out when I was, like, 11. And okay. so it was so, like, you could argue I'm still just a big 11-year-old. And so, sure. <laughs> this, so this movie so spoke to my sensibilities. And I remember I saw it, I think, one day, like, by myself, and then the next day, one of my friends wanted to go see it. I was like, heck yeah, I'll go see it again. <laughs> so I saw it at the then <clears throat> General Cinema 6, the right. Richardson 6 that was connected to the Richardson Square Mall Okay, back when that was a thing. Now, <clears throat> most people might not be familiar with the Richardson Square Mall or only know it from its sad, sad last few days. But <laughs> when it was jumping, man, that was the place to be, and they had the sixth theater uh, movie theater, and mm-hmm. I remember the three humongous movies that I saw out there were Necessary Roughness, Dick Tracy, and Batman. Those were the movies nice. that I, I saw several, several times, but the Richardson Six, that was my theater that right there. That was your theater? Absolutely. Okay. Before we jump ahead and do all that, we'll, we'll recap that in just a second. Let's talk about the Star Power Man, because this, this- It's got some people! This is like a who's who of 90s movies, yeah. right? Like, we'll, we'll start with Scott, Scott Bakula, first of all, the right? The star. The star. Paul Blake. Uh, Paul Blake is in it. Uh- Jason Bateman. Yes. After a long, I mean, I, he was in. Was he in stuff before? I know he was in TV shows and stuff before this. And I think his biggest deal might have. I don't remember if this came this, out before, or after. It might have been Teen Wolf Two. Teen Wolf Two. I think because before it was My Little Prairie, and he was like you know big on that. Um, um, not My Little uh, was Little it, House on the Prairie. My Little House on the Prairie. I was, I was combining My Little Pony and yeah, My House on the Prairie. Weird. Are you so a brony? I, uh, maybe. <laughs> don't tell anybody. Uh, so yeah, Jason Bateman. Uh, Robert, Lo- oh, I can't say Loja, Loja, Hector Elin- uh, Elizondo, Eldondo, and uh, Larry Miller. 
Hector Elizondo is a pretty big deal. I mean, he was coming off. He'd just been in uh, like Pretty Woman yeah. a couple years before yeah. that. And Sinbad. Sinbad. Um, and Rob Schneider. And Rob Schneider. I don't, I don't know if Rob Schneider had done anything up until this point. Because I don't think he'd broken on no. Saturday Night Live yet. Well, he did because you uh, you, you got that fumble, fumbleaya. Oh, yeah, fumble so, Yeah, so uh, that was just an iteration of making copies, making copies at the copier. So on Saturday Night yeah, Live. That's right. Um, it was... Right, yeah, you, this, I think this was probably his first film, or at least the first thing that I recognized him in from Saturday Night Live. But th- this was really a nice cast. And the biggest star probably had the most name value. Who's that? Kathy Ireland. Kathy Ireland, uh, supermodel extraordinaire. Oh, yeah. And every, uh, every kid, every 14-year-old kid was losing their minds back then. I know that because uh, our friend Mr. Troy Hughes sent me a message earlier, and it was just a picture of Kathy Ireland, and it said, this is what I remember from the oh, film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I, I think... I think I was not to the age where I appreciated her just yet. Okay. Whereas I was more interested in hearing the funny things that Sinbad had to say. Of course. Than ogling after Kathy <laughs> Ireland. That's, you know, we've shifted a little bit, but, we, you know. Yeah, right, right. So, big box office star power. Uh, and for a movie movie with a budget of only $13.5 million, it, it did pretty well. I'm glad to hear that it doubled up. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I really love this movie, but I don't particularly remember this movie like taking over the world. It so didn't. I'm, yeah, glad yeah. To, I'm glad to hear that. It, it, was, uh, it was fun uh, to watch and see. And for Dallas-Fort Worth uh, natives and uh, people who live here now, it was all filmed up at North Texas. Yes, my, and, my uh, co-host on the KNC Masterpiece, Corey Majors, is insistent that he is in that last celebratory scene is he because he made it out to uh north texas well i have a story about that to read later okay so, uh we have that coming up look forward to you've already ran down where you were when you saw it uh, this was a home box office rental for me okay uh but like yourself i watched this every day that we had the tape so yeah it was uh like completely over and over and over just play about i was obsessed with football and this was easy. That's an interesting thing that you just described because I feel like that concept has gone away, especially with, you know, you watch things on demand or whatever. Right. And so you just watch it and you move on. But sure. when you got that VHS right. and you had it for your three days or your five days, mm-hmm. I feel like you would watch it over and over, like watch it multiple days. I can even tell you the movie I rented this with. So I would have two movies. To okay. Watch. And you're going to be a little surprised, I think. Singing in the Rain. So it was Singing in the Rain and Necessary Roughness. Singing in the Rain is comic genius uh, in part. So if if you haven't seen it yet, it's hilarious. Uh, Go back and watch that. It's a beautiful movie. Just not what I would have guessed to be paired with Necessary Roughness, but I respect it. So I, uh, it was, it was those two movies, uh, Watch one, take it out, put it in the automatic rewinder, right. and put the other one in. Right, and it was it was an easy, easy weekend. Wow, I, it was great. It was it was the best one of the best weekends of my childhood. <laughs> wow. All right, I like it. I like it. Um, this was at my grandmother's house, so it I, I had full control of the television because I was the only grandchild at the house, and I could watch what I want. And she wasn't a big TV person. And she, if it if it wasn't her story, she didn't care. Or the news. Or the my news. grandparents <laughs> would always like. I, I just remember five five thirty, which right. is also probably when we were eating dinner. It's, yeah. Is we were going to stop down and watch the news, yeah. and so that's how it was going to be. My grandmother owned two movies. She like she had two VHS tapes. I'm sorry, three. The Nutcracker, Casablanca. No, these other two are just way out of left field. She had the Nutcracker, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, huh. 
and Pure Country starring George Strait. Really? <laughs> yes. So those were the three constant movies wow. in her house. So I'm honestly not sure I've ever seen Pure Country. I've heard of it, but... You know, for what it is, it's not bad, okay. but and I'm not going back to watch it. Right. I can tell you that much. Right. So uh, the the TV was mine. She didn't care. So it was it was constantly singing in the ring and necessary roughness that weekend. Wow, great time that does to sound be a like kid. A fun weekend. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, let's just jump right into keeping it real, man. This was uh, this was where I, I I had trouble watching. It wasn't the greatest uh, athletic scenes in the in the film. But you have Kathy Ireland kicking a soccer ball and a football. I guess that's okay. Yeah, it, it's I, I I always would think this for some of the schools here in the Metroplex. Like there was a time where, you know, Plano West had the best boys and soccer and girls soccer teams just about in the state. But they always had trouble finding a place kicker. Okay. And I just always thought like. Why don't you just do what they did in Necessary Roughness? Why don't you just get a soccer player? Right. Because you have the best soccer players, and I never quite, uh, I never quite understood that. But yeah, no, I, I, I like the hook of I will argue Necessary Roughness ahead of its time, bringing in the okay. female who they all, oh, der- yes. they all derided and yes. see over the last what ten years, you've seen an influx of not only female kickers but other female football players. So yes. I will argue that necessary roughness ahead of its time. I would agree with you during the during the time of this movie. Uh, I was firmly planted on my high school fo- on my middle school football team, and I remember playing Lake Worth, and they had a female lineman or line wow. line woman line in this woman, case, yeah. and she was. She was she was mean, like Icebox. <laughs> yeah, she was like Giants. exactly. Yeah. How did we miss that on the list? <laughs> yeah. By the way, look up Icebox in recent. Oh yeah, this, yeah, definitely, she's, she's definitely. Looking good. So the 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 film opens with uh with Bacula who has some uh some some playing time left in his shoulder and his uh that's right. college eligibility. That's right. Uh, throwing footballs to scarecrows. Is that what? Is it? Yeah. So he has the scarecrow essentially dressed up like a receiver or right. kind of a you know a bootleg tackling dummy. Right. And. This is where some people will argue the plot makes no sense. The <laughs> plot makes perfect sense to me. Sure, there's a guy who works on a farm who was going to be the best high school then college quarterback right. in the country, but he never went to college because his dad got sick and he needed to run the farm. For people in Texas and certain farming communities, that is a very relatable story. The fact that he then goes to college to play football at his right. early 40s, mm-hmm. okay, maybe less believable. <laughs> also, the most ridiculous plot point in this, which I think is amazing, is that Sinbad, it's it's dumb in the most amazing ways. Sinbad is teaching, what is he teaching, like physics, physics there? Yeah. Okay. So he's teaching physics, and they point out that he still has a year of eligibility left left. (laughs) because he never finished his fourth year of college eligibility, and he never went pro, hence it did not eliminate that eligibility. So therefore, even though he's also in his early 40s, he could totally still play. (laughs) And like Sinbad scoffs at that notion, but both he and Scott Bakula really come around on this pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. And then the other astonishing thing, is they're easily the best two players on the team. By far. I mean, like, eventually some of the other players get better, like the center and Featherstone and all that. But in the meantime, the old people who haven't played football theoretically in 18 to 20 years, they're definitely the best players that that team has right out of the gate. Definitely. 
definitely, uh, they're, and they're the most athletic too. That yes, not only are they the best players, but they are by far the most athletic players. Sinbad just crushing people. And the, you know, absolutely. <laughs> the only thing, the only reason I think that kind of works is they establish that this is the worst team. So if you mm-hmm. don't know the background behind it, is you know, fake North Texas was the best. <laughs> uh, I, well, I mean, that's essentially what they were, right? Yeah, of, you know, course, of and, course. But, like, that's – they were the best, and they won all these national championships under their old coach, but then Chris Berman and the people at SportsCenter dropped the hammer, then mm-hmm. they were crooked, and they were paying, once again, ahead of its time, ahead exposing its time. NCAA corruption. And so the, the – Or were they just talking about SMU? I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you didn't have to go too far to see how that could work. <laughs> and they essentially got the death penalty, and they bring in Hector L. Zondo, Edge, Straight Arrow, Gennaro, yep. to fix up the program, and they hold open trial tryouts. And so they established that everyone who was good is gone. Right. And that's why some of the athletic scenes are not terribly impressive. But they also established that this team is the worst. Is they the, are the yeah. worst in all of college football. The, their opening game is against uh, Southwest Texas State. Right. Which later in real life becomes... Texas State University. Wow, which so, is the fake is, yeah. yeah. That's a little a uh, little odd. A little funny too. A little uh twist there. That is interesting. <laughs> I don't think I knew that. That 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 intro, that first game does lead to one of my favorite visuals of the film too. Oh yeah. I, I know you're going. It's when they <laughs> when they show the entire roster run out there <laughs> and then they show Texas State Texas State's roster that has what like 16, 18 yep. kids and you're yep. like, "Oh, that's sad." I've seen that at the high school level too. Uh I love I love the realization that they can put the team together. This is Back before the first game, they're having a, the, uh, the the pregame meetings and they're trying to put the team together. And uh, <laughs> Ed says, "We play both ways." Oh, and yeah. just the realization that they could fill the team, Iron Man football. If they play Iron Man football, yeah. <laughs> but and that's why Robert Loggia is there to ground the nonsensical ideas of Straight Arrow because he has all these pie in the sky ideas, right. and I just like that. Robert Loggia is there to be like, oh, this is stupid, and it's not going to work, and our team is going to suck. And he's not wrong, because for the first couple of months of the season, they're the worst. They are the worst. Uh, do you, We're going to go a little bit off script here. Do you have a favorite player outside of Andre or Bakula? Mine is the karate guy, uh, the, just the, <laughs> the sensei who is... <laughs> yeah, I love the Australian rugby yes, fella. Yes. <laughs> I think that he's awesome. Although I will say to your choice, the the karate guy leads to maybe my that might be my favorite scene in the entire movie is where the he just like spin kicks and karate right. kicks like three people on his way to get to the quarterback. And the referee walks through the actual names of yeah. Ninjitsu Thrust. And he's like, oh, the hell with it. 15 yards. Yeah, and that so was awesome. I love the official who's a karate aficionado, apparently, right, right. walks through the actual moves. And instead of calling holding or chop block, he says the actual things. I love that scene. I think that is a great scene as well. This also gave us one of the one, – I know it was, a, it was a tagline in my household for a very long time, which was Blue 42 – Blue forty two when when Bakula yep. was called an audible, uh, it's it's almost the Omaha of yeah. the nineteen nineties, right? <laughs> so, man, uh, as I went back and watched this this weekend, I just I fell in love with it. It's not a great movie, I think, oh, but I just I fell in love with it all again though because like it's so easy to love, but it follows that sports movie uh, 
playbook too closely almost. It does. The the thing that I like about how they play it out, though, is like if you look at because it definitely follows some of the themes of like the Mighty Ducks and the Bad News Bears. The mm-hmm. difference with those two movies is the Mighty Ducks are terrible and they improve and mm. gel in time to go win the state championship. Right. The Bad News Bears are terrible, but they improve and gel in time to win their league championship. Right. The kids from Necessary Roughness are terrible, and they improve in times <laughs> to tie Kansas. Uh-huh. Once again, this movie's ahead of its time, knowing that Kansas would always be terrible at football, except for like three <laughs> years where they were somehow ranked number one and in a BCS Bowl, and win over their hated rivals. Texas State. In, yeah. yeah, in the very last thing, in the very last game. But... They finished the season 0-8-1, or 1-8-1. You 1-8-1, yeah. Yeah, so they finish being terrible still, right? but they just win that last game. But they don't go on to win anything else, and I do like that, is that because of the college football structure, they improve to the point where they can win a game, but they're still the absolute worst team in their conference. So let's let's go back and look at the beginning of the movie. They brought down the hammer. Uh, ESPN uh, yeah, Berman, yeah, brings down the hammer, right? And now none of these players are eligible. And uh, just for the plot of the movie, they have to fill the football team with the actual student body. And oh. it leads to Karate Guy. It yeah. leads to the professor. It leads to Scott Blackula. Open tryouts at the gym. Tri- yeah, it's, it's nuts. Have you ever, in real life, have you ever seen a situation like that? Like, did you try to walk onto a team or, or anything like that? The closest I can think of is, and I hate to put them on blast, but I have to just kind of throw this out there, is the John Paul football team in Plano. Okay. And I can say that because they're looking good now. But (laughs) they started, and it was one of those things where, like, the, the guy who ran the school, his son was the athletic director and football coach, and they just had to field a football team in that first year. They yeah. were terrible. Okay, It's the single most astonishing thing I've ever seen in a football game. They were playing Fort Worth Nolan, and a kid fielded a kickoff. A kickoff at the five, saw the Fort Worth Nolan people swarming him, backed into the end zone and took a knee. Oh, no. Thinking that it would be a, a touchback. Touch it was, of course, a safety, 50. to which point the officials bailed them out with the latest flag I've ever seen in my life and said that Fort Worth Nolan was offsides on the kickoff. And oh. I was like, oh, whatever. Wow. And so they, they re-kicked it. That was also responsible for the biggest FU I think I've ever seen in a football game is it was like, you know, 49-0, to 56-0 in the late third, early fourth quarter. They'd gone to the running clock, which they do in high school, sure. where it doesn't stop. And so Fort Worth Nolan, they just wanted to get out there, and they just started running the ball up the middle. So it's first first and ten. They run the ball up the middle. They get a couple of yards. John Paul calls timeout. Ouch. Fort Worth Nolan runs the ball up the middle yet again. John Paul calls timeout. So it's like third and five. So then Fort Worth Nolan goes to the shotgun and throws a bomb down the field, like 50 <laughs> yards to score a touchdown. I was like, that's your fault, John that's, Paul. That's all you should have been yep. calling timeouts. They were trying to get this game over with. So that's the closest to the early stages of fake North Texas I've ever seen because <laughs> that team, they didn't have a ton of players. They were clearly out physical, outmanned, and outmatched. And in some of these cases, like with the touchback, not 
knowing the rules of the games of right. football. And so that's probably the closest to the saddest thing I've ever seen because that was like their first year fielding a football team, mm-hmm. and they were so bad. They were bad. So bad. I asked that sp- question specifically because I was part of something like this. Did you try out like I, that? I did not for a football team, but for a basketball team. We didn't have enough. How do you not have 12 people in a school that want to play basketball? Wow. I don't know. But we had. You went to a really small school. I, like, yeah. You live in a really small town. Yes, exactly. So everybody was football crazy, and basketball was just kind of a, a second thought, right? Wow. So uh, we had we had six guys that wanted to play, but they needed to fill out another six. So they had open tryouts, and I went out there and I worked my butt off and missed the cut. But uh, it was it was something that I was a part of that I was like, this this doesn't happen, right? And then, sure enough, it does. And wow. it was a little foreshadowing in my life when That's I saw not, necessary reference. Yeah. <laughs> I wish your story would have ended with you making the team. I do too, but, but you know that's I'm okay. Sorry. That's okay. Now uh, there, there's a lot of other plot points that we can get to, and I want to, but I want to give you your chance to hate on love as we uh, as we talk about this horrible love story in the middle of this great football movie or football story. They do it all the time, and you just you can't get away from it. Is so. Scott Bakula plays the main character. He's Paul Blake, who mm-hmm. would have been the best, and he right. was going to go to Penn State, I believe, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. But then his dad got sick, and then he died, and he had to run the farm and all that, blah, blah, blah. All right, so he eventually makes his way to Texas State, and he's ready to be awesome for that team. And he's still got a cannon. That dude can still throw the right. ball. And then in one of his classes, he has this professor – who Suzanne Carter, who is in the midst, unbeknownst to her, to her own little love triangle, mm-hmm. because the dean of students yes. totally wants to hook up with her. Mr. Larry Miller. Yeah, and he's super creepy. He's great in this movie. He is, he, yeah. Like, you hate him so much, yes. but that's you're supposed to. And so she and Paul Blake start to kind of vibe on each other because Mm -hmm. they're the two old people in the movie. It also seems really lazy is there's only like five old people that don't coach the team is you have the like president of the university. You have the Dean of the school. Mm -hmm. You have Sinbad who I don't know if he's like off living his own (laughs) life or whatever. And then you have Paul Blake and Suzanne. And so Paul Blake and Suzanne, they start to date and they start to fall in love. And I'm like out on this already. And then they add this extraneous detail to the background that makes me hate this love story even more (laughs) is that Suzanne already knows Paul Blake because yes because oh. she was a cheerleader for the high school in which Paul Blake and his team put the boots to right. in the state championship and so it's kind of weird because it's sort of this stalkery fatal attraction kind of deal going on because mm-hmm. Paul Blake doesn't know who she is right but you find out that the instant that she sees him she knows who he is mm-hmm. and she's known who he is for the last 20 years and then she performs Professes that she had a crazy crush on him right. because, like, she even wanted to ditch her boyfriend back in the day. She even says that mm-hmm. that she wanted to ditch her boyfriend <laughs> back in the day, like twenty years earlier, because she loved Paul Blake because they put the boots to her team. And then at that point, I would have got out of there sure. because she's been lusting after you for like twenty years, and then she got her way into this relationship mm-hmm. and never told you that she knew who you were until you're in her house after he gets in a fight. Remember that? Because yeah, that was yeah, right yeah, after yeah, they get in the bar yeah, fight. That's right. That's in the bar fight. And and so it's so creepy. And I would be like, cool, I got to go. 
But instead, he's like, we should be in love. So you you said one thing there that totally makes sense if you live in Texas. Uh, she loves him because he beat her team yeah, in high school. Absolutely, That is a Texas love story through and through and through. I could... I can name you at least five relationships right now of people that are married because of that happened. Wow. <laughs> really? I'm dead serious. Those relationships are going strong. That's uh, how Texas rolls, exactly. man. That is how we roll. <laughs> it is a uh it is a interesting quarrel, but that lo- I think that's my biggest problem with it. I know it's yours, but that love story was really unnecessary. Just tell me about the football team. Yeah, and it's and and so like they said it on the background of all these other ridiculous things. Is so this is a journalism class too, right, right? right? And they they set up this weird subplot that absolutely goes nowhere. Like I I, I told you I love <laughs> this movie, but if there's one thing that goes nowhere, it's that Paul Blake is apparently an amazing writer. Right? Like they set this thing up where he goes, Ed Gennaro won by his team just showing up, and they like they read it like it's this amazing news story, right. and that Paul Blake is amazingly talented. And then they try to push the narrative that Suzanne would fall in love with Paul Blake because he was a really talented writer, writer. even though that totally ignores the idea that, like, what about the student-teacher dynamic and maybe you shouldn't be dating? I know they're both older, but it's still a power dynamic that maybe you should avoid. And they try to set it up that she actually fell in love with him because he's a great writer, which makes no sense either because mm-hmm. if you're a journalism teacher surely you've come across plenty of talented writers in your day you didn't fall in love with all of them did you, you might have and to then, sleep with this one i gotta do this yeah one. Not- and then you find out that she's just been creeping on him yeah. for 20 years and but that's a subplot that goes nowhere right and so yeah there's all this extraneous detail for this love story that you're like stop it just, just stop, stop it. it and then the dean wants to creep on her in the meantime and that sort of like implicates in one of the scenes mm-hmm. that if she'll just hook up with him He'll ignore the fact that he wants to shut down the football program. Right. And that's something that's not entirely uh, laid out there. Like, you get mm-hmm. the idea that he's kind of a nerd and he thinks it takes away from the academics, sure. but not enough to shut down the whole program. Like, the program essentially did get shut down. Why don't you just let this crappy team do its thing? Exactly. No, no. He's not going to have that. He just doesn't want it at all. Yeah. And for those close to home here, UNT has been a horrible football program for years. They're pretty good this year. Hey, they're 5-1. and one, They maybe. are really good this year, actually. But uh, this fits the bill of that school to a T all the way down to the colors. And yeah, <laughs> it really does. It was uh, – so – did you did you speak to your co-host, uh, Mr. Majors, about this before you came over? Did oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Did he have thoughts about it? You said that he, he well, swears. He, he, that's what he says every time. Okay. He says, that, he says it the same way every time. And I'm like, yes, Corey, I know. He goes, you know I'm in that movie, right? I was like, yes, I know. You've told me that like five times. So, yeah, he loves that movie, too. And he's in the end celebration scene when they finally knock off the number one team in, by God, Texas. Like, that's a thing. Right. Like, we don't have Texas rankings. <laughs> But that's a thing that they always talk about, the number one team in, by God, Texas. This feels like uh, it was, uh, what was the was the name of the Southwest Conference? This feels like it was. Oh, absolutely. Was 100% Southwest Conference, right? Oh, absolutely. So because it, there were fierce rivalries there. Yes. That's one of the things where, that's one of the reasons to this day that Texas A&M and Arkansas, whenever they play, they still play, they've been playing at AT&T Stadium because right. you're trying to recapture some of that Southwest right. Conference magic that's right. happening right exactly. there. Exactly. There's no question. So I wanted that. to get that. Get to that. Uh, Corey is 100% correct, evidently. Not, not that we didn't believe him, but he 
they just used just about anybody to fill these stands. Oh, sure. So evidently there is a gun range just, just north of UNT that has old cardboard cutouts of people that they used in the stands that you can shoot at. I'm, I'm guessing really? they're, they're pretty rare now. But I was uh, perusing uh, some forums, and I found a forum uh, on therpf.com, and there is a, a Mr. Watson here who has a one hell of an incredible story. He says, uh, if, if, <clears throat> if you'll bear with me here, sure. I can tell you that they did indeed use students and pretty much anyone they could get to be in the stands. I was a featured extra when they were filming the last game against the Texas Colts. I played a trainer for the Colts. They filmed a bunch of footage that showed the Texas Colts sideline and only the lower center section of the visiting team bleachers had any people in them at all. I am in a split-second shot showing my back of all things. We had no idea that they were filming us from behind. Toward the end of the, <clears throat> toward the, end of the night, they had all featured extras change into their street clothes and had us all go to the home-filled side of the bleachers so they could fill it up for the last touchdown nice. celebration. We had, we had pom-pom. This is weird. We had pom-poms and streamers, and we were supposed to go insane like we had just won the Super, Super Bowl, only we were not to make a single sound. It was pretty weird seeing pandemonium with no sound. That is weird. That's weird, right? One of the greatest nights of my life. Got to meet Scott Bakula, Sinbad, Larry Miller, Jason Bateman, who's not a nice guy, and Kathy Ireland. Aww. Bacula took a picture with me and signed a roll of tape that came with my trainer's costume. I have pictures with Kathy Island as well, and I have her autograph. I have her autograph too. Between scenes, they would let us mull around, and we tended to gravitate, gravitate towards the end zones. And there, Larry Miller would come over and start holding court, and we were all cracking up. Sooner or later, Sinbad came over, and they were dueling for our laughter. It was amazing. The only downside to this whole thing is <clears throat> what a jerk Jason Bateman was. No pictures, no autographs, and soon as they yelled cut, he was off to his trailer. It was no wonder that his career died for a long time after this. Aww. <laughs> and he came back strong with Rested Development. Yeah, that the Rested, Deve Rested Development did it for him. Um, it was a great night to be sure. A friend of mine had an agent, and they had open castings for featured extras, but you had to have an agent. His agent signed us up, and we all got paid $50 and had, and had all the catered food we could serve ourselves. My biggest regret for after all these years was my lack of foresight as to my trainer's outfit. If you did not turn in your wardrobe, you did not get paid your $50, and I really wanted that $50. In hindsight, I wish I had kept the trainer's outfit as I would have a screen-used apparel that I worn myself. So many cool things, for, for instance, seeing the guy that actually did the kicking for Kathy Ireland, didn't know that, walking around all night with a fake ponytail attached to the back of his awesome. head. Awesome. <laughs> he had really, really short hair. Sorry to say this, yes, Jason B Bateman was so full of himself. I tend to think that he may be more mellow now, but at the time, he thought he was it. I really liked him to that point, and it, it has taken a while for me to forgive him. Well, I'm sorry that happened, but uh, it sounds like it that is. kind of bums me out. Totally plausible that Mr. Mr. Majors could have could really be in this no, movie. I, yeah. I, no, I do believe him, and because I no, I absolutely believe him. That is an incredible story, and I get his point about wishing he would have kept the uh, right kept the trainer's outfit. Right. I like that story. God, man, that would have been so cool. And it, it's got so many great people. Like, for example, uh, Sinbad is now on a show that I just started watching. Uh, oh, yeah. Lil Rel, like, oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, Lil yeah. Rel on Fox. Yeah, I, and I just think Sinbad is awesome. Just his style of humor works for me. I know it might not work for everyone, but it just works for me. He's clean, right? That, I mean, yeah, that's, 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 that's the that's thing. That's the biggest thing is he's clean. And, you know, obviously he's been around for 
for a long time, right? Right. Uh, I, I, I remember all three of his H- HBO specials very, very well. And he, he always worked clean. Yeah. Uh, he tells a great story. He came out and cursed in his first set ever. And his mom was in the crowd and she was disappointed in him. So he never cursed again. Really? Yeah. Well, man, I think, and so I was just thinking of the card connection with Sinbad, and man, I cannot think of the name of the movie offhand. I'm going to see if I can look it up. Uh, He was in a movie where he was pretending to be like a dentist or something like that, (laughs) so he could be friends with these people and kind of like improve his station in life and stuff, but at the very beginning, he's doing some card hustling and stuff and talking Uh, about how these Ken Griffey Jr. rookies are really going to blow up, and I was like, oh yeah. You might gotta be, kind of be right about that, actually. That's very nice. Uh, let, let, let's get to that part of the show, the memorabilia and the things that we would want from this. Uh, before we get into that, well, we would want... house guest. I house guest? Like. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, before we get into that, I want to thank uh, our sponsor for this this season, Mr. Sparty Hot Cash. Go check him out on eBay, Sparty Hot Cash. He's got uh, all things Michigan State and Kansas if you need it. So uh, he is a... He, is a, he, he went... I believe he went to Kansas and his wife went to Michigan State. So he's created an eBay store off, oh. of, off of all things Michigan State and Kansas. Kansas is a featured player in here yep. in, in that it has one of the great lines in the movie is where Rob Schneider says something to the effect of, oh, he's down at the 27, but he hydroplaned down to the 19 right. in the pouring rain, yeah. where uh, they get the armadillos get the mm-hmm. tie yeah. against Kansas to right. improve their record at 0-8-1. Oh, exactly. So, yeah. Um, so I looked up. Necessary Roughness memorabilia on eBay because that's where I thought I would find some of it. Not a thing. Not a thing. But you can buy this DVD all day for 99 cents. Or if you want a hard copy, eBay's your place to get. I'm pretty sure I ended up eventually getting a copy of this off of Amazon for like four bucks. Yeah. So I could see that. Uh, so a couple of memorabilia things. Oh, wait. Let, before you do that, yes. let, me, let me get to this. I found a very awesome website also that I did not know about called yourprops.com. And this is where if you have movie props, you can log them in and keep track of them here on this website. Really? And there are five... There are five different pieces here. From, or I'm sorry, there's five different users here that have uh, four different pieces. There's two practice practice jerseys available. Uh, there's one game game used film jersey available. Uh, number one, I don't remember who wore number one in the movie, but uh, that's there. There's the helmet, the Texas, the South Texas State helmet, and then the one thing on here that, without question, if ever became available. Guys of your age and my age would go absolutely nuts for screen worn Kathy Ireland soccer shorts. Oh my god, I swear to you, that was one of my three. That was one of your three, and I was gonna say, I don't want to be too perverted, but I want those Kathy Ireland soccer shorts because they were tremendous. He's got two pair. If one of these two pair ever became available, really, people would guys your age and my age would lose our minds trying to get this stuff. Yes. Absolutely. And I feel sad for myself for that, but I'm not going <laughs> to pretend like I'm above the fray. That, that was absolutely going to be one of my three. Wow. All right, lay your other two out then. <laughs> okay, my other two are less perverted. Um, is I want that tackling scarecrow dummy that Scott Bakula yeah, yeah, throws yeah. the football at. 
And then I want the prison jersey worn by Ed Tuttle Jones. Now, that's a subplot that we haven't gotten into. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Is Larry Miller the dean who wants to get rid of the football, the team. football team from the Armadillos? He sets up a scrimmage, and the scrimmage is against the local prison the team. Texas State Penitentiary. Yeah, <laughs> and it's got like, I know Dick, Dick Butkus is out there, Ed Tuttle Jones, but there's just like the Eva- main. Evander Holyfield has my favorite yes. line in the movie. I think I swallowed a finger. Yeah, which is hilarious <laughs> given how yeah, exactly. uh, things will go down. But, yeah, so they set it up against the prison team, and the prison team beats them down. But, yeah, the jersey worn by Cowboys legend Ed Tuttle Jones at the prison, yeah. I'd be all about that. I loved them. They were simple. They were black and white, almost Raiders-esque. Yeah. And, oh, I, I dig it. So, all right, so you got the Ireland shorts, the uh Tackling Dummy Scarecrow and the Jersey by Ed Tuttle Jones. That's yeah. that's we're almost on par for on, on par with each other because I want the shorts as well. Oh yeah, uh, I absolutely need that Evander Holyfield jersey. Yeah, J- just because it's awesome. And it, I mean, in 1991, Evander Holyfield was at the pinnacle of his career, go- going into uh, the la- you know those fights with Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis and and. So he was really he was the real deal, right? Yeah, there's a really interesting thirty for thirty about how in ninety one and ninety two he was trying to chase down Mike Tyson, and then Mike Tyson, you know, has yeah. legal difficulties right. and whatnot. But yeah, so he was uh, he was at the top of his boxing career right then. Uh, absolutely need one of those, both of those things, the shorts and the uh, Evander Holyfield jersey, and then I'm going to need that ticket from the tie. This football season th- that we're currently in, yeah, I am loving the tie. I know there's been two ties so far. I, every every game that the Browns play, I'm hoping ends in a tie. Um, yeah, but I need that football from that tie, that that ticket from the tie with Kansas. So I'm going to try to. We do this segment periodically on uh, KNC. Shameless plug. Seven Eleven weeknights on the fan is called History Lesson, where you learn about, like, really older stuff. And I'm super intrigued by doing a history lesson about the 1932 Chicago Bears, who won the NFL championship with a robust record of seven wins, one loss, and six ties. Their first three games were all ties. (laughs) Wow. So I so want to research that. We got to do that. A team had Red Grange on it. Yeah, Red Grange, that's right. Crazy. Crazy. All right, let's talk about the... uh, Let's talk about the ratings. I'm a little scared. I don't know if the I, critics love this movie as much as I do. I don't think that they do, Kev, but uh, uh, can I call you Kev? I've been calling you Kev the whole show. So. I prefer if you didn't. Okay. Because I'm, I'm an adult. All right, Kevin. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll start with IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, this is not on Metacritic. I did no. I, I did search. This Metacritic is too fancy for movies it, like way this. Way too These fancy. Movies of the people. Um, let's, all right. Let's start with IMDb. I'm going to say like a five. I hope it's higher. It is higher. Oh, yay. It is higher. A lot higher? At least a point higher. It's a six? It's a six one. Okay. All right. Six one out of ten. All so right. So that's not bad, then right? I'm going to up my Rotten Tomatoes to 65%. To 65% on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. You were way off. Oh, no. <laughs> it's way lower than that. It's like 38%. That. 31%. Oh, come on, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> That's bull crap. Audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 46. What? Tomato meter is 31%. How is the audience score not in the 90s? This is a movie for the people. I object. <laughs> Kevin objects. I love this movie. Here's the critic consensus, and it's, only, it's this is a likable, goofy football comedy 
has that has its moments, but it's ultimate ultimately adheres too closely to that sports movie playbook to overcome the cliches in the script. Yeah, I but and and I'm, that might have something to do with my love of it. Is a couple of years ago, I even went out of my way to watch this movie called Ping Pong Summer, which and I loved it. Because, I've never even heard. Yeah, of Yeah, it. it was a smaller movie. It is essentially a compilation of all '80s movies tropes ever put into one. Okay, and I loved it so much. So maybe that's why I like Necessary Roughness. Is it has that familiarity, that comfortability of okay. all the yeah. all the cliches that could be why I like it so much. I, I can I can see that. Uh, I I enjoyed it because it's simple. It's not a great movie by any means, but it's simple and I liked it. And it was it was an easy watch. I didn't have to think about anything. Yeah. Uh, one one scene that we one thing we haven't talked about is the love story that kind of makes sense to me is the big uh, Samoan who loves Kathy Ireland and he's going. Oh to sure, pr- and he protects he her. He protects her at all costs. Well, let me ask you this: Who does he love more, Kathy Ireland or Paul Blake? Because I feel like he loves his quarterback yeah, he does the most. Lo- he does love his quarterback. There's that he? horrifying scene in the final game mm-hmm. where he takes out Flat Top, who's yep. been the nemesis of the yes. Armadillos the entire movie with the bar fight and everything like that. And he drills that dude, and like the front of his face mask pops off, and there's <laughs> yeah, blood yeah, everywhere. Right? It really is horrifying. Like graphic. Yeah, it really is. And then the best, probably the best one-liner in the whole in the whole film, outside of I think I swallowed a finger, was foot. Meatball as uh, <laughs> welcome to football. Yeah, exactly. I do like that line. The other line I love, and I think it's Jason Bateman, where he it's at the end of the the game, the final game, and he goes, "How many timeouts do we have? Three. Can we take them all right now? <laughs> Can we take them all I right now? I do really <laughs> like that. I do really like that line. Awesome. So uh, we we will end this the same way we end every episode. Is it a classic? Okay, and I might be in the minority here, but if you don't know my answer by now, you haven't been paying attention attention to the podcast. Yes, this movie is a classic. (laughs) I love this movie. I feel like it might not be accepted as a universal classic, but it should be. It is great. It has all these key people from the 80s and the 90s. It has nonsensical humor. It's just fun. It is a fun movie that I love. You've won me over. Yes, you've won me over. Woo! It is a classic. As I reviewed it again, and we had we sat here and had this conversation for the last forty three minutes, I have to agree that this movie it's fun is a classic. I yes. I didn't see it coming, but here that, we are. That makes me happy. That makes you happy. All right, next week uh, on the uh, on the docket, we have two films that we can choose from: uh, the Leatherheads or the Replacements. Oh, I haven't seen either in a long time, so yeah, I, I'm open for either one. You know what? You brought up the 32 bear, so let's go Leatherheads. Okay. Because this, I'm actually really interested in this because this is set in a time where college football was way more popular than the professional pro football, football. Yeah. And um, I want to want to dig into that a little bit. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit. And hopefully I'll have more info about the 32 bears by and, then. <laughs> awesome. And if uh, uh, Jim from The Office can be done saving people on, on Jack Ryan... Uh, Maybe he can. Yeah, I need to watch that. I heard people really like it. It's really good, but he, right. he but he's in Leatherhead. So, okay, so there I'm you in. go. All right, guys, uh, that's a wrap. Cut. <laughs>